From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Federal and state governments are locked in a high-stakes battle over the future of Australia's vaccine rollout. Hundreds of millions of people around the world have now received their vaccines, and many countries are now starting to prepare for the resumption of international travel. But in Australia, the slow rate of vaccination has led to state premiers becoming more vocal in their criticisms of the federal plan. And on Monday, Scott Morrison held an emergency meeting of the National Cabinet to develop a new vaccine strategy. Today, Chief Political Correspondent for the Saturday Paper, Karen Middleton, on where Australia's rollout went wrong and the plans state governments are pushing for. Karen, let's start with the current state of Australia's vaccine rollout. How would you describe it? I would call it confused. I think there's a degree of frustration emerging that this isn't going as well as it should be and could be. And I think there's um, a problem with expectations management. The government always said that it wanted to under-promise and over-deliver at the federal level. And I think, unfortunately, it's probably done exactly the opposite. There has been that frustration building ever since the federal government started to set those targets for vaccination, where they said we'd all be at least have had our first jab by October of this year. We remain on track for the first doses of uh, all of the vaccines, for all of those who are seeking them um, to Australia. By that, I mean the AstraZeneca and the Pfizer vaccines uh, to be uh, available, all those who want them in Australia, by the end of October. Uh, that that timetable and that, that goal remains absolutely... And when you do the maths, it was always going to be extremely difficult to do that, given that we're relying in the first instance on imported vaccines, both from Pfizer and from AstraZeneca. There has been public commentary from the states expressing that frustration, and particularly from New South Wales. Um, we should be less rigid in the way that we roll out the vaccine. Um, we've already got the capacity for the max vaccination hubs. In New South Wales alone, we've got more than 100 sites already. They have said very plainly they don't think the rollout is going well, it's not going quick enough, and they're getting annoyed at the suggestions coming from the Commonwealth that it's somehow the state's fault. I don't know how long I've been saying that New South Wales is ready to step up. By the end of this week, we would have done about two-thirds of what we'd been asked to do, that 200,000 out of 300,000, and we'd always said we wanted to step up beyond that point to make sure we get the rollout done as quickly as we can. So there's been frustration emerging ever since those targets were set. And I think more recently, the announcement that there was a problem with the AstraZeneca vaccine in terms of side effects. Now, I'm told that the New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian, when the, when the National Cabinet met the following day, sort of led the charge on expression of, of that uh, annoyance and began with, uh, with the greatest of respect, Prime Minister. I think when you always, whenever you hear Gladys Berejiklian start with, with the greatest of respect, you know that there's a criticism coming and I'm told that there was one, that, that there was a view expressed that this was not well handled in terms of the public messaging and that it was more likely to have added to the public anxiety rather than alleviate it. Mm. So there's this confusion around or criticism around messaging, but what are the, the underlying issues with the way that the rollout has been conceived? What are the states saying about that? Well, there are people in the medical community who are 
pointing out that for a start, before we even get to the state's issues, that Australia didn't spread its purchase of vaccines around widely enough, that we've relied too heavily potentially on the AstraZeneca vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine, which had to come from overseas. We've seen ourselves as Australia caught up in the tensions in Europe over access to the Pfizer vaccine. So the states are frustrated at the lack of access to vaccine supplies, but I think they're also frustrated at the way the federal government has wanted to run this show completely and use GPs and pharmacists more than state-based facilities now, I think the Commonwealth has wanted to do that partly because it's the one paying for most of these vaccinations and so it wants to be seen to be the one taking the credit for the success insofar as there is success of the vaccination system. If you want to look at it in political terms, the quarantine arrangements when we were in the middle of the virus crisis last year even though they're federal responsibilities under the Constitution, the federal government was very happy for the states to take responsibility of that. That was always going to be a potential bad news story because that's where outbreaks come from. But the vaccination program was a good news story. That's the thing that's going to save us, get us back to some form of COVID normal life and and help the economy get back on track as well. So the Commonwealth was very keen to be responsible for and seen to be responsible for vaccinations, but it's the states and territories that normally roll out health services that have the infrastructure and the qualified staff to do it. And they're saying you've bypassed us in large part to use GPs and the system just can't cope. There's not the infrastructure to do it. You should have been talking to us. Mm. So, Karen, is the situation then for the vaccine rollout to be effective? States and territories are saying that they need to play a key role in the practical delivery of vaccines. That's a position that they've had right from the very beginning and essentially that they're now being proven right. That's right. I'm being told there's a general chorus of we told you so going on. The Prime Minister has now ramped up his national cabinet process again. He's going to have national cabinet meetings twice weekly instead of just once a month. Let's get the work done. Let's work together and see where we can get to. That's the reason I'm pulling national cabinet together uh, to ensure that they can work through these issues together and not in isolation because many of the decisions that will ultimately be made will be made in the states. So that's very clear that the states are now going to be more engaged in the process both at the decision-making level and in the practicalities of actually rolling things out. And everybody went into that room with the right attitude and the Prime Minister will have more to say about that later on in the week as we have our second meeting. So today was... Everybody needs the vaccination program to roll out swiftly and efficiently because it's the way we're going to open up again. So uh, they're having to sort of sit down and start this conversation all over again, really. We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. 
Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Karen, we know that the states and territories have been highly critical of the government's proposed vaccine rollout and they want a bigger role in terms of how it operates. But what exactly are they suggesting that the solution is? Well, they're saying they need to be more involved and they've been proposing this idea of mass vaccination hubs in metropolitan areas for some time. And this is now being taken up by the Prime Minister. Good morning, Prime Minister. Well, good day, Ben. It's, I'm, I'm pleased to be back. I've been looking forward to it. He dropped it into a podcast interview while he was in Perth the other day, saying, uh, yes, he will now accept um, that, that there should be mass vaccination hubs. So that will mean we'll need to change our rollout uh, to go to, to mass vaccination options, and that will have to be done in partnership with the states and territories. Now, if we can do all that, then there is the possibility that can be achieved at, by the end of 2021. And that idea is just to move people through more quickly. If you're having everybody go to their GP and have to have a consultation, that puts huge pressure on the GP system. So they have convinced the Commonwealth that that should occur. You're already seeing that in some places. For example, in Melbourne, I think they're using the exhibition buildings as a mass vaccination site already. But we're likely to see this increase. And there will be some arguments in the short term or some negotiation over how the jobs should be divvied up between the GPs and pharmacists and the state-based health facilities. Some states are suggesting it should be uh, an age-based thing where the states, for example, take on all those aged under 50 and the others take on older patients. Um, But others are saying, no, it should be a vaccination-based thing. The states do just the Pfizer vaccine and and the GPs and pharmacists do AstraZeneca in large part. Right. And Karen, we're being told that for people under 50, the preferred vaccine is Pfizer. So what is the latest in terms of access to doses of that vaccine? Well, I was given some figures from the end of March that indicated that we had obtain less than 900,000, so less than a million doses of the Pfizer vaccine as of that point from overseas. Uh, Australia has had ordered 20 million doses in the short term and then has boosted that to another 20 million. So 40 million doses are supposed to be incoming from Pfizer um, and certainly a substantial part of the the early uh, order was meant to be coming in pretty quickly. That hasn't happened and we've seen there have been those tensions in Europe and suggestions that some doses were being held back and not getting to Australia. The government has already acknowledged that um, the bulk of now the Pfizer order will not be coming until later in the year and possibly not until the last quarter of the year. But it has now dispatched the Trade Minister Dan Tian to Europe to try and hurry things along, plead Australia's case and get access to some more of that Pfizer vaccine a bit sooner than that. Uh, look, uh, my hope is that what I'll be able to do is convince the European Union that using export restrictions on vaccines is not the way to go. And They obviously think it will have some value for the minister to actually eyeball counterparts in Europe and and the people from Pfizer as well and and plead the case directly. What we need to be looking at is, are there better ways for us to be increasing the production of the vaccine? And they're the discussions that I'll be having in the European Union. But it does show you that we are getting a bit desperate if we're having to send a minister 
on a personal mission as an envoy to the other side of the world to ask for access to a vaccine that Australia assumed it would get. So it's it's a sign things haven't gone very well and let's hope it's a successful mission. Mm. So we're in this position where we've now had to abandon any time frame for getting all of Australia vaccinated. We've got one senior minister asking for, for more doses of the vaccine. The rollout itself, the federal government has had to concede that um, perhaps the states need to have a greater role in that, contrary to how they had originally intended it to go. So when you add all of this up, how damaging do you think all of this is looking for the federal government in terms of the public's confidence and their capability to to make something like this happen? I think it's potentially very damaging. This whole process of dealing with COVID-19 is, is a two-part process. The first part was getting on top of the virus, managing the quarantine arrangements and stopping it spreading. And the governments, state and federal and territory, have all been very successful at that. And I think we've been quite self-congratulatory as a country that we've done so well. We look at other parts of the world and we say, thank goodness that's not us. We're moving around normally with few restrictions and we have zero community transmission. And other parts of the world are looking at us in envy. But that's only the first stage of this. The second stage is vaccination. And I think the difficulty coming back to where we started is that the government promised a lot and then hasn't been able to deliver on the promises that it made. And people get very annoyed at that when there's a sense that expectations are raised and they're not met. And that does undermine confidence. You certainly don't want confidence being undermined in the vaccination system. Karen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, the federal government has announced it will establish a royal commission into veteran and serving defence personnel suicides. The government has previously resisted calls for a royal commission, which has been called for by the families of soldiers who have died. And the trans-Tasman travel bubble between Australia and New Zealand kicked off yesterday, with thousands of people flying between the two countries. It's the first travel bubble between Australia and another country since the pandemic started. Residents of each country are now allowed to travel to the other without quarantining on arrival. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.